not taking like a self-righteous standpoint, but a lot of people right now um, feel feel as if with a lot of this isolation and, and helplessness that, you know, we're more different than we really are. And I think one thing that people need to understand is that we're actually much more similar than we all really think. And if people can get together and start to, uh, you know, have conversations and put some differences aside, I think we can all kind of um, start to act more human again. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Dr. Alex Lee. Alex is a chiropractor who practices full-time in San Ramon, California, and is the creator of Groundwork, an online group for natural healing and performance. Welcome to the show, Alex. Happy to be here. What's going on, Mr. Drewski? <laughs> yeah, it's great to be with you, Alex. So, just so just so people out there know, Alex and I got to know each other through Instagram, and we have definitely have a very similar outlook on on the world. And he's originally from Massachusetts, and I know Alex, you were also a college baseball player back in the day. I dabbled. I did guilty as charged. <laughs> and so, I was just curious, what led you down the path to become a chiropractor? Sure. So, I think like um, well. I'd also like to say you growing up in similar areas. I grew up in Newton, Mass. You, you're in Framingham right now. Did you grow up there as well? I did. I did, Alex. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, the, you know, the culture there of professional sports and, you know, especially like the Red Sox almost being a religion. Um, you know, I, I, we had season tickets as a family from 98 until 2013. Uh, we split them with a few other families and, um, you know, pro sports there is just, it, it's, it's huge. And, you know, now that I'm not there anymore, it's not, you know, I don't, I don't really pay attention to it, but as far as, you know, growing up, that was always sort of the the vision and the dream. And to answer your question, why I became a chiropractor now after, you know, playing college baseball, I played, um, played at Wofford college in South Carolina. And then I played, uh, two seasons in Europe, two in Australia when I was done. And, um, I think what happens with a lot of people when, you know, you, you can say hanging up the cleats or walking away from the game. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to romanticize it too much because I wasn't at, you know, like, a, I wasn't walking away from like multi-million dollar contracts. I was just walking away from, from something that I pursued for a long time. Um, I think a lot of people get to a point where they wrap their identity so much up in what they do and, and, you know, whether it's, whether it's art or whether it's music or whether it's a sport, um, eventually when that thing leaves your life, you, you feel like you have a void and, and an identity crisis. And, uh, as much as, yeah, I mean, I, I am a, a chiropractor now. I, I try not to wrap myself up in the identity of that. Um, I, I still look at myself as, you know, I'm Alex, I, I'm, you know, this soul within this body. And I happen to, uh, you know, put on my, my chiropractor clothes to go to work and, and, uh, I'm there, you know, a lot and I enjoy it, but then there's also, you know, I, I have a pretty good off switch. I have a pretty good, uh, okay. Now I'm golfing switch. I have a pretty good, okay, I'm now with my fiance switch and we're, we're making dinner. Uh, I also have a jujitsu switch, which I just, <laughs> I, I just turned off, uh, 20 minutes ago to, to get on this call. So yeah, I, I think that there's, um, you know, a lot of different hats that I, that I wear and I like to, 
I like to think, you know, similar to a natural health standpoint that you know, I'm a pretty adaptable person as far as being able to jump back and forth between things, but also at the same time, stay pretty even keeled and have people, you know, have people know what they're getting when, when I'm there. That's beautiful. So hopefully that answers that question a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost funny to me, like being like, oh yeah, I, I played baseball. I forgot all about that. Um, it's still <laughs> in there. I just don't, you know, I, I don't need to, I don't need to put that on if I don't have to. Right. Right. You know, Alex, in terms of your work as a chiropractor, you've mentioned to me that the body has an innate ability to heal and self-regulate when we give it, you know, the tools that it needs. So for somebody caught up in lots of fear, lots of self-limiting beliefs, how can they rediscover that healing potential within them? Sure. Well, I, and before you hit record, we were, we were talking about this briefly, but um, you know, health and, and ease is our body's default state. So all we can really do is, is kind of departure from that when we're not, you know, living in accordance with the natural laws of, of nature of, you know, of, of what our bodies naturally need. So, um, I always break it down as far as, you know, looking at a few different categories for people. So obviously people talk about, you know, mind, body, spirit, soul, uh, whatever you want to call it. But then as far as, you know, tangible things that can, can facilitate our body's innate ability to heal at a higher level. I, I always look at eight different things. So, uh, movement, nourishment, sleep and rest, uh, the minds and kind of what's, what our mental concepts are and our, our subconscious, um, connection with the outdoors, connection with others, belief in something greater than self, and then our life purpose. So ultimately, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, when they, you know, kind of go the holistic route or let, let's just take movement as an example, people, people really look at like, you know, kind of a check the box mentality, which I think is a fallacy. Um, you, you need to look that, uh, look at all of those and, and understand that they're all, they're all integrated and they all kind of, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a perfect wheel of, you know, like a slice of like eight slices of pizza. They're not all like perfectly cut. Um, they're all going to kind of blend into the other ones and they're all, they're all integrated and they all have to be looked at, I mean, holistically. And I think, I think even now, that word has been really, um, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say abused, but it, it's been a, a lot of people that have used the word holistic really in the past year, I'd say have kind of shown true colors. Um, and there's been, you know, even within the, you know, air quotes, holistic, uh, area, uh, holistic community, there, there's been a bit of a, you know, a division people being like, oh, okay, you're, you're just another one of those trying to use the word and jump on the bandwagon. So, um, for me, that, that that's kind of just, I see that in, in my body, just, you know, I, I get like that pit in my stomach, like the, ugh. so, mm. um, but no, no, to, to answer, to answer your question, I, I think looking at, at those, at those areas and, um, you know, also just, just hearing that because a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't get that. Um, you know, I'm not going to throw any sort of profession under the bus, but most don't measure what I would consider life force, like what causes us to live and what, what makes us, um, different from something that is not alive. So, you know, when, when soul leaves body, what, what happens? Like, like, what is it that, that isn't allowing us to, you know, oppose gravity and, uh, resist entropy and, and chaos to, to rip us apart? Like, wh what is that? Like, how do you measure it? So when, when I work with anybody, I'm always trying to a identify any sort of like limiting beliefs that they have to kind of get in the way of their own innate potential to, to heal. Um, but then also like, okay, what are some, some vitalistic markers that we can look at with people? And, you know, for me, a lot of that's just, you know, simple, like 
you know, trying not to overcomplicate it, but uh, walking speed and grip strength, I say, are the, the two things physically that we need to be able to do till we take our last breath. Um, and when those two, when those two start to go away and decline, um, you get a pretty rapid decline of, of physical health. So those are, uh, th- th- that's kind of like the simplest, like bang for your buck. If you're going to turn the podcast off now, like <laughs> go, for a, <laughs> go for a brisk walk and hang from a bar. Like that's, that's where it starts. So that's great. That's great. Yeah. I was telling before we, we started recording, I was telling Alex that he inspired me to get a bar, a hanging bar in the basement here for, for myself and my son. And, uh, Alex, you were just kind of going into a little bit some of the the reasons behind why, you know, this is something anybody can do. I mean, whether they're stuck in their house or wherever they are, um, just hanging from a bar. What what are some of the benefits and some of the reasons that uh, might be helpful for people? Sure. So, and we did talk about it, and I gave a good answer before you hit record. So, <laughs> I know. I'm gonna gonna try to not get in my own head too much and, and try to say the same thing. Um, some of the benefits of hanging, um, I look at like going back to the whole, you know, default state of health, right? Like we're, we're born with, with perfect health and all, all of these, um, you know, industries and specialties that have popped up in health are just there to, um, pretty much put a name on something when you've departed from that default state of health and of ease. So when I look at hanging, um, I look at, you know, from, from our very first moments coming into this planet, we have these things called primitive reflexes, which are basically things wired into our DNA so that um, before we have these learned traits, such as like, you know, getting up on our two feet, walking, um, you know, uh, shaking someone's hand, speaking, we have these things that are even more primitive than that, um, such as, you know, if you stroke a baby's cheek, they're going to turn their head. And if they're hungry, they're going to act like it's a nipple to breastfeed from. Um, and that's just wired in so that we know how to so that we can get nourishment right away when we're born. Um, another one is the Palmer grasp reflex. So, um, this is where hanging comes in. If you put your finger in a baby's hand, they're going to, they're going to squeeze it really hard. And like, I, I've had to, I always test it anytime I'm, I'm with a, a baby just cause it's, it's fun and babies are fun to be around, but you put your finger in a baby's hand and it's like a, you, you're playing like tug of war all of a sudden, cause they don't want to give it back to you. Um, and neurologically, if a baby's like intact when they're born, that's one of the things that they should check at a hospital that they have that grasp reflex in there. Um, and if everything's working fine, they, they should have it. But, you know, within an hour of birth, um, you could put a broom over a baby's head, put it in their hands, and they should be able to suspend and hang their body weight from there if they're healthy, um, which is kind of which is kind of wild. But the way that I look at it is if we have that wired into us, there's obviously something coming from, you know, an ancestral standpoint from primates, you know, back when, you know, we swung in trees that makes it so that that's a survival trait. Like we need to be able to hang. We need to be able to grab things. So, um, going back to what I was saying earlier, right? Like walking speed and grip strength are the two things that need to be measured. And if you look at the structure of the shoulder, the anatomy of it, um, it's, we're supposed to get the arm overhead and it's just amazing how many people have lost that because, you know, modern lifestyle doesn't, doesn't require physical competency from us in a lot of ways. Like we, we don't need to get our arms overhead. I mean, some people are, you know, putting things in the refrigerator, things on shelves, like a little bit above their head. But for the most part, most people aren't getting their arms over their head. Um, and if you just look at the structure of it, it's, we're supposed to be able to get it, you know, 180 degrees above our head and, and be able to work from there uh, and be able to suspend our entire body weight. So, you know, when I look at physical competency, I'm, I'm looking at 
you know, walking speed and grip strength, but then also, you know, the ability to grab things, the ability to climb, uh, the ability to crawl, cross crawl, the ability to push, pull, hang, um, all these things. So, um, yeah, benefits are amazing just for shoulder health, grip strength, decompressing the spine. And then, you know, you can get, you know, I, I get up there and it's kind of how I measure where I'm at for the day. Like if I, if I get a good hang in, I should get to a point where it's beyond just a physiological stress and stimulus. It becomes, you know, like emotionally, I have to really start to dig in and psychologically and spiritually, I get to another level. So for me, it's almost, you know, I, I call it a hanging practice because I feel like hang meditation might glorify it a little bit too much, <laughs> but it's definitely like a, a moving meditation that I do. And, um, yeah, I mean, consistently five to seven minutes a day, um, is where I'm at now, but I mean, anyone can benefit from three times a week, 30 minutes just to get started. And even if they can't get their whole body weight going, um, just getting the arms overhead and even getting a little bit of traction, just pulling up, uh, until they can kind of tolerate their, their body weight. But yeah, it is nice that you built a bar in your basement for you and your son that wasn't, you know, like an actual like drinking bar. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it, it is fascinating though, because I really before before listening to you and some of your um and some of your writing and some of your interviews, um, I, I didn't really even think about that whole that whole concept of hanging. So I mean, someone that wanted wants to get started in this, like an old, you know, whether they're older, younger, whatever, um, they could just start like for a few like five seconds or start by propping something under their legs. Is that how you would, you know, get someone starting to, to do a hang? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you can, I, I, I've had the same bar for seven or eight years now, and it's one of the, I don't know, the $20 ones that you get at a sporting goods store that, you know, it has all this, it has the screws in it and it breaks down into like six different pieces, but it goes in the door frame. So to hang, I actually have to I have to bend my knees so that my feet aren't touching the ground. So if I were to ease into it and I, I've had my, my dad do this, um, just literally hang, like put your hands up on the bar and then, you know, however deep you squat technically is how, how much weight you put on the bar, right? Like if you were to pull your feet up off the ground, that'd be all your weight, but then you can, you can manipulate that so that it's just, you know, your, your hands above your head. I realize the video is not on and I, I just have my hands up in my room, like now, like an idiot, but, um, <laughs> Um, yeah, just, just even getting a little bit up and then, you know, some people can't even tolerate that position for more than five seconds. And it's like, you know, if, if all you can do is five seconds, then you do five seconds. And then, you know, a good, a good goal for that week would be able to get to six, right? You just, you just keep, you, you keep kind of grooving that, that movement. And then eventually it'll just, you know, get back to, I'm not saying you're going to be hanging up there for 20 minutes at a time eating meals, but, um, you're, you're going to be getting to a point where, you know, pretty quickly you'll, you'll notice some, some good changes, but three times a week for 30 seconds is a good, uh, you know, a good jumping off point for people. That's great. That's great. So yeah. you, Alex, you recently told a story that I, that I absolutely love. And, and it was, you were, you were trying to, to hang for a bit longer, I think over 10 minutes and you had a friend call you up and you, and you were talking to him and he gave you some, he said something that I, I found to be really fascinating. And I'd love you to just tell that story. Sure. Yeah. So I was, um, so I'd say in April or so of last year, uh, a friend of mine posted on Instagram, two different people that broke four minutes hanging in the first, uh, in, in a day. And he had only known, I think four or five people over like 10 years that had ever broken four minutes. So obviously I got fired up that day at work when I saw that and drove home, got on, like put the bar in the door, 
um, started recording for some reason. I, I usually don't, I, I don't really compete with exercise because I, I don't think, I think that's a, a kind of losing battle, but I, I had the video on just for myself. And then I had a camera, I had a timer going so people couldn't say that I faked it. And then it was the first time I ever just let myself go. So I hung on for, it was, I broke five minutes. I was trying to break four, but you know, one thing that always jumps around in my head is that, um, you've always got, you can always do anything for one more minute. So I got to four minutes. I saw the timer and I was like, well, if I did four minutes, I can do five and I did five. And then I was like, well, I just did five minutes. So I got another minute in me. So I've got six. And then I, I, I dropped it like five thirty ish. Um, but I always try to keep that in my head. Like no matter how bad things are, like this is where training starts to carry over into real life. Like no matter how bad things are, you can always do something for one more minute or you can always do one more of whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, so for me, I, I started hanging, I realized I could do five minutes. So I was like, okay, I, I can do five minutes every day until five minutes is no longer, you know, that much of a, of a challenge. And I got to a point where I, again, was like, okay, I'm going to see how far I can push this. And I did like seven or eight and I, I kept getting stuck at like that seven or eight minute mark. And I was like, damn, like, I was like, and, and I, I'm explaining all this to a friend of mine and he's like, well, if you can always do one more minute, then you shouldn't get stuck at eight minutes. You should be able to do nine minutes. And then you should be able to do 10 minutes. It's obviously just a, it's obviously just something in your head, right? Like everyone talks about the four minute mile, how nobody could break it. And then in one year, somebody broke it and then seven more people broke it like right away. So it's all these, it's all these, uh, you know, the tethering of our minds to a concept that, you know, you can't actually break past a limit. So, um, I was talking with my friend, he's like, well, I give you permission to do 10 minutes. I give you permission to break 10. And I was like, it was, it was funny. Cause I just, I looked at him and I was like, damn it. You're right. I was like, okay. And then I think I, I, I actually went golfing that day. I came back. So after playing 18 holes, you think you'd be a little bit tired. I guess golf isn't that, that strenuous, but I, it was like 1501 that I hang that, that I hung for. So I broke 10 by five minutes, like the first time that I was, that I had permission to do it. <laughs> so it's just one of those, like, you know, everyone thinks that there's, if I told you to hang from a bar right now for, if I told you a minute was really hard and you start, you'd get to 45 seconds, you'd be like, oh, this is impossible. And, but if I didn't tell you anything, if I just said, hang on to this bar for as long as you can, you'd, you'd break a minute, no problem. You just keep going because there, there's no, there's no number in your head. So for me, it was just that, um, you know, that, um, created barrier, I guess it, it was just, it's not even a th like, I'm sure now I could give myself permission to go to 20 minutes. I don't want to go there mentally because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's for, like, I, I got down and I couldn't open my hands for like a couple minutes. I, I legitimately had pins and needles in my hands for how long I was hanging, but you know, it, it is fun to, um, you know, step out of like the comfort and the, the order I'd say, and, and go into that kind of that chaos and that unknown of just like, all right, like, let's, let's see what happens. Worst case, I just, I put my feet down and I'm, I'm still in my house, but, um, to voluntarily step into that is always something for me. That's really empowering because it just takes you out of the, that comfort zone and see really just tests the limit. Right. Absolutely. It, and it's, it's a, it's a powerful idea. That whole idea of giving yourself permission just to think about that. Um, we had another, another interview I did months ago with Rolf Potts, who is a travel writer and he travels all over the world. Vagabonding, right? You got it. Vagabonding. Exactly. And he said, he said, basically, you know, if you want to travel the world, he said, the first thing to do is you got to give yourself permission to follow your dreams. And I just thought that was great. You know, 
that, that so many of us, we just don't give ourselves permission to whatever it is, to find our power, to be great, to travel the world, follow our dreams. Really funny that you, you mentioned Rolf Potts because I did, I did a podcast interview like in 2015. So before I even went to chiropractic school, I was, I was doing a baseball jobs overseas um, podcast. It was an interview for international baseball players. And I was saying that that was um, that the gentleman who was interviewing me, it was one of his books that he was also, you know, really into. And we had talked about before getting on the air uh, about vagabonding and just the idea of, you know, at that point in my life, being able to pretty much put what I owned into a backpack with my baseball equipment and be able to, you know, travel around the world. I was, you know, getting paid not very well, but I was getting paid enough to live and, and travel the world and get train tickets to go different places. And, you know, when I, you know, if, if we had, you know, a week off within the season, be able to, uh, you know, go to, go to Italy or go to Switzerland or, or do all these, do all this travel in my twenties. That was, you know, really instrumental at the time to developing and, uh, you know, just kind of getting the wiggles out in your twenties before really settling into what, what I'd say is, you know, my life purpose, which is, you know, uh, chiropractic or, or healing or performance or, or however you want to call it. Right. Like, I, like my intro at the beginning, like putting a label on it and identifying as it is, is uh, I think a little bit of a dangerous game for some people. And, um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of where I'm at with, with everything. And nice. yeah, just re- really cool that you, you spoke with him. Uh, yeah. that was, a, that was a huge book for me that it was like, Oh, to, to do it, you just have to start doing it and then you figure it out. Right. Like, right. You just got to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Alex, I'd love to hear about the role of nature in your life. I mean, I know you're in San Ramon, beautiful San Ramon, California. Here we are. And uh, here I am in frigid uh, Massachusetts. But um, I'd love to hear about the role and and just the influence of nature in your life. Sure. So I let's see. So I live in Hayward, California, which is like it's like a 25 minute drive in the morning to San Ramon. So, um, yeah, I guess. Wow. Um, I'd say the biggest thing in the past year that I really, really dove into. So I graduated from chiropractic school in March of last year, March, 2020. So right when, right when all the lockdown stuff began and I, school was so much like indoor time that you, you don't realize what's like, not really, what's not really clicking for you until you kind of have a couple weeks away from that environment and you're like, Oh, it's cause I haven't been seeing the sunrise and the sunset, like the, just the, the simplest things that are kind of our birthrights. Um, but for me, nature is, um, you know, having that, that intimate connection with the outdoors and, and, um, just what, when you have that, it just regulates pretty much everything to like a normal level in your life from, you know, like an emotional standpoint, from a sleep being regulated standpoint, from, you know, what you want to nourish your body with standpoint. Um, and for me, just even being outside, even in a more urban area where a lot of people live. So in in the Bay area here, um, you know, just something as simple as at lunchtime going for a walk and, you know, having the shirt off and getting some sun on the skin. And, um, I, I do as much as I can to try to stay connected to nature in the most natural ways. So, you know, I, the video is not on here, but you know, I have, I have salt lamps going in the room whenever the sun goes down. 
Um, I, I wear earth runner sandals, so they have a, a copper conducting bead so that I can ground to the earth's electromagnetic frequency when I'm walking. Um, you know, when I go past trees and plants, I'll always just touch them just to, you know, kind of get that, that grounding effect. But, you know, I'll go to the beach, I'll sun gaze, I'll get my feet in the sand, I'll, I'll go in the water, I'll, I'll do, I, I just, I love everything about just the natural world because it, it like, like I was saying earlier, like it, it just connects us to our our default state and it's our, our birthright to be able to just be outdoors and enjoy, you know, plants and enjoy seeing animals and, and just being in that environment as much as I possibly can, especially after going through, you know, a three and a half year program where I felt like, you know, we're studying all these natural and holistic things on paper, but it's, it's so much different when you're not connected to it naturally outside, you know, like we're, we're in a, a warehouse building with with Wi-Fi buzzing around our heads the entire time under fluorescent lights, and it's like, wow, we're we're really uh, for, for what we're learning, we're really kind of doing it backwards here. Um, <laughs> so I I just really, um, you know, I, I feel I feel so good in the past year just having that regulated, and, and I I think it's one of those societal things that um, culturally it's, you know, I I don't think the light bulb was was really good for <laughs> like human health in any way. Um, and then you look at all these other luxuries that are really like, you know, tech driven that take us farther and farther, further or farther. Uh, anyway, they take us away from our, our state of nature. Um, you know, rubber synthetic sold shoes, um, being indoors, all these different things that, you know, basically don't make us any more physically resilient than, than we should be just from what nature is. So for me, nature is kind of just like, nature's kind of everything. Like I, I think if, um, you know, and, and people can, if, if people look me up on Instagram after this, they'll get a better idea of some of my values and my personality and kind of what I stand for. But if I were, <laughs> I was joking around with someone the other day, like if all I really want from this, uh, like right now, so this is March, 2021, all I really want is for, for people to just kind of like leave me alone so I can just be outdoors in nature. Like if I was, <laughs> yeah. If I was in an action movie, I would just be like, you know, like, uh, you know, karate chopping like evil scientists just just so that they could leave me alone and like let me be on my porch in a rocking chair, like looking at the sunset. Like th that's honestly all that I want out of life um, and just that like connection with nature and, and I don't know, simplicity, man. Like I, I, I have pretty simple values and I try to keep my world small, but I feel like in that process, I have to kind of stand up and voice a lot of things that I feel that are just kind of like deep inside my DNA blueprint. And I have to like fight just to get to the, like the simple, like leave me alone state, which is, I don't know. Like it's it just, it's just funny. I, I laugh at it cause I, I understand the, the irony of it all. So. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, Alex, for anybody listening right now, who's feeling a little powerless and hopeless about their life and about their future, if they were sitting with you right now on the porch, or, you know, hanging with you or something, yeah. what would, what would be one thing that they could maybe do today to, to take their life in a new direction? Good walk, take a good long walk with some brisk pace, I'd say out, outside. But, um, I, I'd say more than that is, uh, I, I think this past year so much has been about, you know, like isolation and separation and then almost celebrating that. And I know that, what's happened this year for me at least is I've had so many high, high quality connections that I've made with either, you know, reconnecting with people that 
you know, I, I think on a similar wavelength too. And, you know, I've kind of, I kind of flew my flag. So some people came back into my life in a good way. Uh, there's also some people that kind of, you know, went out by the wayside, which is fine. Like they'll circle back in that that's, that's okay. But, um, I think the biggest thing is, is connection. I've had so much quality connection in the past year. Um, and a lot of that has just been rooted from me being able to, to stand, you know, in my power and, and kind of speak my truth. And, uh, all of that is really circled around, like you were saying, the body's innate ability to heal. Like it, it all comes from that and, and people know what they're getting from me, but so much of it is just, I've had to get there by, you know, having conversations with people and, you know, whether it's just on the phone or, you know, I've done probably more in person this year with people than, you know, any other year, just almost as an act of rebellion, I would say, <laughs> like, um, you know, getting together with, um, with people and, and just opening up being vulnerable. Like this is the most vulnerable I've ever allowed myself to be. And I feel like, um, that just helps you shed layers from yourself, um, that maybe you've outgrown or that you, you don't need anymore. So for me, like the biggest thing has been, you know, getting together with, with people and, and connecting. And then also, um, just taking it upon myself to be like a radical truth teller. Like I don't, I don't allow myself to lie to myself and I don't allow myself to lie to other people. Um, and you know, at, at the same time, like th there's been, you know, kind of like battering rams, like there, there's been some headbutting with some people. And, um, I, I feel like my ability to tactfully say things has gotten better. And like, civil discourse has also been at an all time high. Like I, I don't, I don't disrespect somebody who has a different point of view from me. And I, I feel like, um, not taking like a self-righteous standpoint, but a lot of people right now, um, feel, feel as if with a lot of this isolation and, and helplessness that, you know, we're, we're more different than we really are. And I think one thing that people need to understand is that we're actually much more similar than we all really think. And if people can get together and start to, uh, you know, have conversations and put some differences aside, I think we can all kind of, um, start to act more human again. And ultimately I think being human is, is empathy and being able to, you know, step into other people's shoes and, and see where, where things are at for them and, and kind of, you know, walk a mile in their shoes. But, um, yeah, I, other than, you know, the, the physical movement part, which I feel helps people get out of their own minds and out of their own heads and back into their body and kind of more integrated. I, I feel like the biggest thing is, you know, connection. And it, it's, it's been breaking my heart seeing, you know, kids out of school, kids at home all day, you know, kids on zoom calls for, you know, eight or 12 hours and not, not being able to be with their friends or, you know, elderly people, you know, stuck in, uh, stuck in nursing homes or families saying, you know, we, we can't see you or, you know, worse, like hugging through a plastic plexiglass thing. Like I'm like, it, it all of this seems so inhumane, unhuman. I, I, I don't know the correct word there, but um, yeah, man, like it, it's just connection that an all time low for some people. And I, I do feel I, I, part of me really, really, really hurts for them because I, I remember also, you know, having a more antisocial part of my life where it, it's just, we need a certain amount of connection every day, man. We, we need touch. We need handshakes. We need hugs. We need, we need to be with people. And, um, that that's what I would say, like this, the connection and the, the movement to, to at least start to get some momentum going in the right direction. Right. I, I know, I know that mental health is at an all time. Well, mental health issues are probably at an all time high, meaning mental health is at an all time low, right. but, um, that there's, 
there's hope and, you know, everybody's loved. So I think that's, that's really what it, what it comes down to, you know, remembering that and then remembering that, that people are on your side. Last question here. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time, 30 years, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? I think I was two years old then. So it probably would have been like, you know, how to, <laughs> how to take a crap in the toilet or something. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll um, say 25, <laughs> 25. Yeah. Uh, I'll change your question a little bit. Uh, mm, no, I don't want to change your question too much. Should, should I, should I go back and give myself advice when I was like, you know, maybe like 10 or 12? Yeah. Like kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, or even a teen. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll answer your question as much as I can. Um, I think I didn't enjoy the ride enough at a lot of points. Um, I was, you know, thinking about the future a lot and um, kind of hoping that I would arrive at some point. You know, like as a kid, wanted to, you know, play major league baseball and just wanted to get there and didn't really enjoy the steps along the way. And you know, looking back at just using the baseball career as a as an example. Um, I look back and, you know, 12 year old little league, my, my last year little league was, you know, some of the last, some of the last time that people put on a uniform playing baseball, like after, after you're 12. Um, and I just, I didn't enjoy that enough. And I look back and that was honestly the most fun I ever had playing baseball, like more fun than, you know, high school varsity baseball, more fun than division one college baseball, more fun than, you know, when I played overseas anywhere, because it was just, you know, being a 12 year old kid and then you, you, go to fifth grade the next day. And then you talk with all your buddies at recess about the game the night before the game that night. Like just, I, I, I got caught up. I got caught up too much in wanting to like have the next thing and not just being able to sit with myself, um, there and just be able to enjoy being around friends and connecting and, and, you know, having my parents in the stands and having everybody else's parents there and us just, you know, being kids. So I would say slow down, enjoy things. And, I also stressed about like, you know, finding a, a life partner, you know, um, and my fiance is the, you know, she, I, I don't know, I don't know when she's going to wake up and realize that she's like infinitely better than me, but I guess that's like one of those, one of those <laughs> things where I'll just, I, I hope she doesn't realize, but, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I, I didn't think I was going to ever really find that. And now that I have, I realized I just wasted a lot of time, you know, <laughs> like stressing and energy thinking that it wasn't going to happen, but I don't know, maybe that's one of those necessary stressors that you need to force yourself to become better and level up in some way. So yeah, I would say enjoy the moment and then don't really worry about how things play out because, you know, it's kind of the same as like, you've always got one more minute to hang or you've always got one more minute to do everything. It's like, everything's always going to go the way that it's supposed to, you know, good or bad, however it's perceived in the moment, you know, it's going to, Ultimately, like I'm fine now because everything that happened, even if it seemed unsurmountable in the past, has gotten me to this point and I'm okay right now. Like I'm 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 doing fine. So things will keep going and I'll be able to bounce back and adapt to whatever. So yeah. That's great. That's great, Alex. Um, how can people or, learn or I'd say Bitcoin. Find out what Bitcoin is and invest in it a lot. Uh <laughs> once that becomes a thing. I would say that too. But you know, there I don't want to right. I don't want to change affect too much because i feel like i'd just be you know sitting on an island somewhere right now <laughs> all, that. all right cool bitcoin all right um <laughs> alex uh, how can people learn more about you and your work if they want to find you at dr dot alex lee so 
at dr.alexlee on Instagram. Um, a lot of people, a lot of my good friends just got let out of Instagram jail yesterday. Um, they started showing up on people's feeds again from, you know, getting censored for a bit. So I was going to say, you know, if you listen to this in the future, I might not be there anymore, but it looks like at least for now, we're either in the eye of the storm or we're out of the storm. So that's good. I should still be there for a bit. Um, also my website, I don't even know if anybody has ever been on it, but a Uh, if all else fails, you can get in touch with me through there. But yeah, I, uh, I like connecting with people and obviously, um, you know, connecting and responding is another thing. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm still like low hanging fruit for a lot of people. They're like, Oh, okay. I can probably message you and get a response. And I mean, unless it's like a really weird request, I pretty much always respond and pretty cordial. And, uh, sometimes I even send voice messages to people because I don't like to just type on a phone all the time. I like to I like to let them hear my rambling voice. So cool. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. It was great to connect with you. Drew, you're the man. Keep framing him safe, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right, buddy. Take care, Alex. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.